Last week we uh, we saw Rahab hide the two spies that had come from uh, the nation of Israel to come to spy out the land of Jericho. And she uh, lied to her king, asking ask him, her, are, the, are the spies here? And she said, no, they, they left. And so they went off trying to find the, the two spies, and she hid them upstairs in her in her home. And she said in verse 9 in chapter 2 of Joshua, she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. Because she says in verse 10, we have heard of how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. What you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And then she said these amazing words in verse 11, And when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. Then she says, For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Her testimony is that she had placed her faith and trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This, this, this woman called Rahab had opened up her house to the spies and protected them, cared for them, because she believed with all of her heart that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was their God and the God to be worshipped. So it says in verse 15, let's read from verse 15 to the end of this chapter. She let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the hill country, lest the pursuers happen upon you. Hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterward you may go on your way. Then the men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you, which you have made us swear, unless... When we come to the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you have let us down and gather to yourselves and to your house, your father, your mother, your brothers, all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house and to the streets, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid upon him. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which we, you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. So she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And they departed and came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. Now the pursuers had sought them all along the road, but had not found them. Then the two men returned, came down from the hill country, crossed over, and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they related to him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and all the inhabitants of the land moreover have melted away before us. They took her testimony and they gave it to Joshua. They took her hope, their te her testimony of, of what the people in, in Jericho thought about them, and she, they relayed this message to 
Joshua so as to give hope. And she, in return, relayed the, the message to her family. And I'm certain she relayed the message to as many as she could that they ought to come within her home because soon those would come from Israel. Or excuse me, the Israelites would come and they would take over the land. And what we see here is an amazing place in Scripture concerning a covenant, a promise. A promise between two parties. Between her and these spies. Between her and her Lord. And what I want to teach us today is about the importance of a promise, but also about the importance of our faith. Never forget, this dear woman is called a woman of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. She is mentioned along with all of the people, uh, what we would call in chapter 11 of Hebrews the hall of faith. She is mentioned along with all of them. And she is a woman who had trusted in her God. Her key verse to all of that is verse 11 at the end when she said, For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth below. She believed that with all of her heart, and that was her testimony of faith. Now let's pray. Please, Father, would you take upon us these great words that you have written for us to understand and to know? As we take a look at this covenant, this promise that was made between uh, Rahab and the two spies, and as it uh, came over to Joshua as well, as we're going to see later in this message, he honored that promise that they made. He honored both Rahab and her family and really all that would have been within that home. And I pray, Father, that we learn a lot about this whole idea of a covenant and on our faith and how important our faith is to each and every single one of us. I pray, dear Father, as I do every week, that you would move me aside, that you would take this message and, and pour it out upon our hearts. Let us be convicted where we need be. Let us be comforted, Father, where we need be. Let us hear from your heart. As you have written and let us know and out of the book of Psalms, the 119th chapter, would you open up our eyes and may I add, dear Father, our, our minds, our thoughts, our hearts, that we might behold wonderful things, Father, from your word, your law. May it minister to each of us as only it can. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we found out last week in verse 10 and 11, Rahab and all of Jericho had heard about the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. They knew that this was their God, the people that was going to come and take possession of their land. But she not only believed, while many, in fact others, mostly did not, but to solidify her faith, she then acted upon her belief by taking in the spies and by tying this cord, this scarlet cord upon her window where they had escaped. You know, this is truly similar to the path that we have of salvation. We hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we trust that He is who He says He is. And so then we believe by faith that He is our Savior. But once we believe, then we must act out our belief according to his will as we saw last week in James it says uh, concerning faith 
you see. You see faith by what a person does. God doesn't need to do that. God knows and understands our faith by looking upon our hearts and seeing that Jesus Christ has given us this new heart, this new person, this new believer who we are in Christ. And so before the spies left Rahab's house, they made a covenant with her. Now a covenant is nothing more than agreement or an oath or a contract, if you would, between two or more parties. And there are conditions that are laid down for the parties to obey. In her, in her example, her promise was that she would tie this cord in her window and she would not tell anyone of their secret, of what they were going to do. If she did, they said, this covenant would be broken. Now God made many covenants with, with people on this earth. For instance, as you'll note up on the board, he made a covenant with Adam. He made a covenant with Noah. His covenant with Noah was that it wouldn't rain anymore. And he, he gave him a sign, much like the cord, much like the scarlet cord, a sign so that Noah and everyone who came after him could see that he would not destroy this earth by a flood. And the sign is a what? It's a rainbow. Did the same thing with Abraham. The sign with Abraham was circumcision that they would be his people and he would be their God. He gave a sign to Israel, a sign to David, or I should say a covenant with Israel and David, and a covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. But we also find within Scripture human covenants, just like this one between Rahab and the spies. There was an agreement, a covenant between David and Jonathan. There was a covenant between David and Israel. And this promise, this covenant, this this oath that Rahab made with the spies was just as binding as any other covenant that was made. They said, you made us take this oath. You made us swear to you that we would do these things. Look, look again at verses 17 through 20. They said to her, the men said to her, we shall be freed from this oath. In other words, this covenant, this promise that we made to you which you have made us swear. Unless, when we come to the land, you tie this cord, this scarlet cord, in the window. That is the sign that, that, that she has not broken this covenant with them. You know, often in, in biblical covenants, there is, a, apart from the blood of an animal, God always made a covenant and He used the blood of an animal. There was always a symbol that was given to remind the people of what they had promised with one another. With Israel, for instance, God made a promise with them when they were in Egypt. He told them, take an animal, take this animal into your home, nurture this animal, kill the animal, shed its blood, and then take the blood of that animal and do what with it? Put it on the doorposts of your home. He says, that's your covenant. That's the covenant between you, if you and me. If the blood is on the doorposts of your home, I will have the angel of death pass over your home and not take your firstborn. That covenant was true for everyone in Egypt. Pharaoh could have made that covenant. Anyone could have made that covenant with God. With Abraham, it was circumcision. With Noah, as I mentioned just a moment ago, it was the rainbow. With Jesus Christ, it was the bread and the wine, His covenant with us symbolizing His body and His blood and the forgiveness of our sin. So here, in the case of Rahab, the covenant symbol was hanging the scarlet cord from her window. 
And all that stays within her home, they said to her, they made this promise, everyone that's in that home, everyone with you shall be spared. Now perhaps the color of the cord is significant, don't know. But it was scarlet, scarlet perhaps reminding us of the blood of Jesus Christ, just as the blood of the doorpost in in Egypt marked that house so the angel of death would pass over it. So in verse 19, the spies promised, we will pass over your home and spare your family if the scarlet cord is in the window. Now I want you to hear this now because this is extremely, extremely important. Rahab and her family were saved. There's no doubt about it. We can read about it as we will in a moment or two in chapter 6. But think with me. They were saved by what? By the scarlet cord? No. No. They were saved purely and simply by faith in the God of Israel. Let me tell you why that's so important for you and me to consider. You see, the hanging cord, the scarlet cord from the window, showed us, showed you and me, showed them her faith. Just as the blood of the slain lamb in Egypt on the doorpost showed the angel uh, of death their faith of the people who put the blood on the door. You see, faith in the living God, faith in His Word, is what gives you and me salvation. Faith in His promises, faith in His covenant with us gives us the assurance of our faith, but that symbol, whatever it is, is not what saves us. What saves you and me, what saved Rahab, what saved everybody in Jericho that was in her home was the faith that they had in God. Faith is the symbol of a covenant And if you only believe in the symbol, then you're just a religion. You're just a denomination. And that faith in that covenant can give you neither salvation nor in time assurance. Let me explain because this is so important. Perhaps tantamount in the life of a Jew is circumcision. It is the very essence of giving that child born the very essence of Judaism, the circumcision on the eighth day of a male child. The Jews depended upon circumcision, their covenant with God to save them. It was the symbol of their faith. But but they ignored the importance of that rite And they ignored the true spiritual meaning of it. Turn with me, please. Paul explains it much better than I've just done. Look at me at Romans chapter 2. We need to understand what true faith is. I'm going to try to reason with you this morning that many people within the church have so misused their faith and thinking that something, anything, is going to help you be a better Christian. Paul teaches, verse 25 of Romans chapter 2, For indeed, circumcision is of value. Okay, that's good. Circumcision is important, Paul says, if, he says, you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, in other words, if you habitually sin, then your circumcision has become 
uncircumcision. In other words, he is saying, for you to be a Jew, in this case, let's use the word Christian, for you to be a Christian, your lifestyle ought to match up with what you say. You ought to be obedient to the Word of God. If you are not, if you say you're a believer and you live haphazardly and you have no really control of your life and what you do and all of those things, then your circumcision, your being a Christian is as uncircumcision or not even a being a Christian at all. Watch verse 26. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? In other words, here you have a guy who's not been circumcised, but he keeps the law. Paul says that would be regarded to him as being circumcised. Verse 27, He who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law. So Paul is saying, look, don't rely upon your circumcision is what's going to save you. Because someone who is not even circumcised, if they live according to the law, their uncircumcision is going to yell at you as though you are uncircumcised. 4, verse 28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. This is a great verse. Nor is circumcision that which is outward of the flesh. That is key to what Paul is teaching. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision, he says, that which is outward in the flesh. But, verse 29, here it is, the key of it all. But the person, he is a Jew who is one inwardly. Circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And His praise is not from men, but from God. God honors our faith. God honors our trust. God honors our obedience in who He is in and through our lives. Turn back with me. Hopefully that made some sense, though. Turn back with me. I want to try and maybe tie a ribbon around this. Go past Joshua to the book, just to the left of it, Deuteronomy, and stop at chapter 10, please. And you're going to see something just amazing from the Word of God. It is one of the key verses in all of Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, Now Israel, but he could be speaking to any and all of us. What does the Lord your God require from you? That's a great question. We ought to take note. What? does the Lord our God require of us? Here's what he says. We are required, verse 12, we are required to fear the Lord our God and to walk in all of his ways. We are to love him. We are to serve the Lord our God. How much? It says, with all of our hearts and with all of our souls. And so there, being a Christian is not just a haphazard thing. We have been so We have so watered down our faith that people are starting to believe, I can just walk an aisle, I can just say a prayer, and I'm fine and dandy. And go your way and keep on sinning and live just the way you think you you, you want to live and have no regard for God. No, no, no. If we are to do the requirements of God, we're to fear Him. That word fear means to love or to respect. 
We're to walk in all of His ways. We're to love Him. We're to serve Him. And we are to do that with all of our hearts and with all of our souls. Verse 16, jump down. Therefore, God says, circumcise your heart. In other words, circumcision uh, outwardly is not the issue. Circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. In other words, don't be disobedient. Follow the ways of God in and through your lives. Here's the point. Many people today in different religious beliefs, especially different religious beliefs like denominations. Denominations are famous for having rules and regulations that you must follow to be right with God. Our church doesn't do that. Here's the only rule and regulation that we have. This is what we hold as a litmus test to your heart and my heart. Are we Christians or not? Just the Word of God. That's the only rule and regulation that any church should ever have. But many people today depend upon their church attendance or how much money they give or baptism or communion or some other religious rite to assure them that they're a believer. But that kind of faith, believing in the the covenant, the promise, the 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 other things, the symbols of what God gives to us is worthless. It's not what you and I do that makes us right with God. It's who He is that will save us. And apart from Jesus Christ, you and I have absolutely nothing. And so as far as Rahab is concerned, that scarlet cord was just a symbol of her belief in God. She knew that God had given them the land. She had trusted in God, and so she hung a scarlet cord only to show what her heart was. Let me give you another example. thought about this last night, not in my notes. Today is uh, my wife's and my 35th wedding anniversary. One of, great day, great day. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. That's very kind of you. It's been my pleasure, to be honest with you. I love Kay today more than when I first saw her. And when I first saw her, man, that was pure lust. It had nothing to do with love. And she, was, she was really pretty. Still is. And then when she was kind enough to go to a church with me on September the 14th, 1973, and when the preacher said, do you take this woman to be your wife? I said, I do. And when he asked her, she said, yep, I'll take him. That's the best thing ever happened to me, apart from my faith in Christ. And I love her today more than I did when I first married her. And because of my love for her, I do things for her. But I I do a few things for her. I don't do a lot of things, but I do a few things. But what I do for her is out of pure love for her. And what I do for Kay, all the things that I may do for her, does not make me more married to her. I am as married to her as I will ever be on September the 14th, 1973, when I said I do. I am a married man. Because I love my wife, I do things for her. Let's cross that over to our faith. When you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, and you trusted in Him for your sin, and that He would give you everlasting life if you would just but believe in Him. The moment you ask Him into your heart, you are 
as much a Christian as you'll ever be. You'll never be more of a Christian by doing things that you think will please Him. None of the covenants that God has given to you and me make us more a believer. The covenants that He has given to us just assure us of our faith in Him. One of the covenants that He gives you and me is He says, I will give you, when you come to believe in me, I will give you a spiritual gift. And the gift that I give you, you are to use to, to, uh, to build up the body of Christ. And when you and I use those gifts that God has given to us, automatically, I promise you, happens, blessings come into your life. Blessings come from God, from other people. People saying, hey, thanks for what you did. That is such a blessing. But you and I know when we do these things, we don't do it to get the praise of mankind. We do it just to be obedient to the Lord. And we do it not so that we'll be more a believer. We're already as much a believer as we're ever going to be the moment you ask Christ and He alone into your heart for the forgiveness of your sin. What you do after that as believers is just purely an expression of your love for Him. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Same as a a man or a woman in the, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the wonders of a marriage. What we do for one another won't make us more married. It just is an expression of our love for one another. So let's get back to the point. So when she leaves this sign in the window, that is not what saved her. Don't be misled. What saved Rahab and what saved everyone that came into that house with her And by the way, it could have been the king. It could have been anybody in in Jericho. Anybody and everybody that could have gotten into that home would have been spared, as we're going to see in a moment. And so when the Jews captured Jericho, they found Rahab and her family in that house and they rescued everybody in it from judgment. Turn with me real quickly to the sixth chapter of Joshua, just a couple of pages to your right. Look at verse 21 it's really, there's a lot of judgment that goes on in the book of Joshua. And what I want to go is cut through all the judgment and let you see the blessings that God wants to pour out upon us. It says in verse 21, they utterly destroyed everything in that city. Men and women, young and old, ox, sheep, donkey. They killed them all, it says in verse 21, with the edge of a sword. Listen now, verse 22, Joshua when they're in the process of doing that in Jericho, he said to the two men, those two men who had spied out the land, they, he said to them, you go into that harlot's home and bring the woman and all that she has out of there, all that she has, as you have sworn to her. In other words, that's your covenant. You made a covenant with her. We are going to spare her because of her faith in our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it says in verse 23, the young men who were spies went in, brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. They also brought out all of her relatives. In other words, anyone and everyone that was in there could have been spared. And they placed them outside the camp of Israel. Then it says in verse 24, they burned the city with fire 
and all that was in it, only the silver, gold, articles of bronze and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, it says in verse 25, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all that she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. You see, Rahab not only brought hope to Israel, as it says, she said to them, our hearts have melted away before you. We know that God has given you this land. She gave Israel hope, and she also gave great hope to her family. Here's the sad commentary to this, this whole structure of, of, of Scripture. Just like the people in Egypt, Pharaoh and all the people, when God says, take an animal, raise that animal, kill that animal, put the blood of that animal upon the doorpost, any and every person in Egypt who believed God's word and believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, anyone who put the blood on their doorpost, the death angel would have passed over their home. And anyone and everyone in Jericho who came into Rahab's home, who trusted and believed in the God that she said was going to take over the land, they all would have been spared too. The message is clear. You and I are spared We are spared from eternal damnation, not because of anything that we do, but because of everything that God has done for us. And your faith in Him is all that is needed. Everything else that you read in Scripture is just a byproduct of your love for God, obedience, serving Him. Just like as as said in Deuteronomy 10.12, what has God required of us? Well, it's simple. Fear Him. In other words, love Him, respect Him. Walk in His ways. Love Him with all your heart, with all your soul. And serve Him all the days of your life. I've taken that a little out of context, but that's basically what that verse says. The circumcision of the Jews was not one that was of their body. It was of their hearts. Same in your life. Same in my life. Don't let anyone bog you down with all of those other quote-unquote things. Those things that you quote have to do to find favor with God. God loves you as much as He's ever going to love you when He put His Son on that cross and when you accepted His Son as your Savior. He loves you so much. And the things that you and I do in this church, they're just an expression of our love. I said this in this first service. I, I, have, I have hope it makes sense. But, you know, if, if you and I are serving the Lord, let's take me for an example. If I'm serving the Lord to get, to get accolades from you, to get, you know, brownie points with the Lord, then that's my only reward. And you can always tell when a person is serving the Lord for their own benefit. If when I'm done here and you say he's drooling way too much, (laughs) he's going off, he's losing his track, his mind, he's getting a little old, let's replace him. If and when that happens, I stop my feet and say, oh, you know, I'm not so happy with this and I didn't like this church anyways and I'm leaving. I'm leaving. They're a bunch of crooks anyways. 
If you hear me say that, Dave, Mickey, I give you right to shoot me. Shoot me dead. <laughs> because what use am I? What, what good am I? If I'm serving the Lord for myself here, and when things go differently and I get upset, I'm just revealing my heart. You and I are to serve the Lord because we love Him, plain and simple. You and I get to spend eternity with Him in heaven because of what He did on the cross, plain and simple. And the more you do for Him, it doesn't make you more saved. Someone might reason with me, well, you know, you get a lot of crowns and stuff like that in heaven. For the life of me, I can't figure that out. I've studied it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, I know one thing. Whatever it is that that I get or you get, we're going to cast them at His feet. I don't get it. If anyone serves the Lord because of crowns, I don't get it. We serve the Lord, hopefully, because we love Him. I don't serve the Lord to get bounty points from K. No. I don't, do, I don't do for K to get brownie points from K. I do for K because I love her, plain and simple. Let me not forget to tell you I love you. I love you with all my heart. I, I love you with all my heart. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for, for Rahab. Um, and Lord, thank you for Rahab. As we've mentioned, thank you for the study. Thank you that, Father, our assurance of who we are is in you and you alone, and it isn't from the things that we do, it's not the covenants, it's not the promises, it is our pure faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Those things that we do afterwards, Father, that's simply an expression of our love, and the covenant, the promises that you have made with us, if we'll walk in obedience, that's your love for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for this time in your word, We thank you for everybody here. Bless them all. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all so much. Have a great, great day.